Good morning, and welcome to Ask BBB. Ask BBB brings you information from and about accredited businesses so that consumers are better informed about goods and services they are purchasing or contracting. I'm Jim Swan, and your host on Ask BBB is Jennifer Matthews, CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. Good morning, Jennifer. Thanks, Jim, and welcome, everyone, and Happy New Year. Well, the new year is now a week old, and by this time, most of us have some idea of how we're going to do with our New Year's resolutions. Yeah, well, no matter what, it is a time when we look back and we look forward with change in mind. That's right. So we've invited Greg Schinkel, president of Unique Training and Development, to join us to talk about leadership and change. Greg, thanks for taking the time to join us this morning. It's always a pleasure and honor. Thank you, Jennifer and Jim. So, Greg, change is one thing we all have thrust upon us with sudden shifts in response to COVID, and it is called for very strong leadership. Can you speak a bit to that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what's interesting is probably we don't take stock of our own resilience as much as we should. And we know that leadership comes up, whether it's through a formal role of being someone's manager or supervisor, or really just the influence that each of us has with our families and with the community. And so in in uncertainty, and we get these fluctuations in this evolution of the COVID situation, uh, it's absolutely crucial that people embrace the leadership role, recognizing that they can bring hope and they can bring encouragement to people to be able to adapt to this. And we've seen a lot of businesses do probably better than they even appreciate in adapting to COVID and in some cases, even capitalizing on it. And are you able to give our listeners some perspective perhaps on what unique training and development does and how your company has perhaps adapted to some of the restrictions? Yeah, so uh, first of all, our, our business is really training Uh, mostly frontline supervisors in companies across North America. And so like every company, we went through our own uh, need to pivot uh, because we were mostly doing workshops on site in person for companies. And so for a few months, of course, like many businesses, we were shut down and not doing much of anything. And then we had to evolve to delivering our training virtually And even that has taken quite an evolution. But one thing I can say is even now, as we're once again having to reschedule some of the in-person leadership training that we do, that we've had... that we've had this opportunity, we, we, we have now our third virtual training studio set up. So that tells you how many sessions are being done each day uh, with, our, with our team and our crew. And we're working at making that even more engaging. But if I was to look back to today and say, or to a year ago and say, could I have imagined it being like this? I don't think so. It's, it's one of those things that comes in the creativity of the circumstances. So your company trains frontline leaders, as you mentioned, to help a company cope. How much of the training that you provide to these leaders can be applied then on a personal level? Well, I, I think the concepts of leadership really have been, despite all the books that are written about leadership, um, they've been fairly stable for quite some time. So I am a, a believer that although you can be a leader by your job title or by your situation or your function inside an organization, both you know, profit-making businesses, but also in community organizations and service clubs, um, that 
really leadership is just your ability to influence the potentially the thinking and behavior of other people. So um, I believe that if you can as much as possible, we're all entitled to a little bit of self-pity and victimization, I think, if we're ticked off about circumstances that seem to be beyond our control. But if you can move sort of through that and past that and you start to think of what can I do to have a positive impact on, on other people in a way that makes their lives better? I think if we, if we focus as individuals on, you know, what is, what is the impact or, you know, probably not as, as attractive a word, the residue of our interactions with other people, does it leave them better off and better equipped to move forward? Or does it leave them feeling worse off and, and more negative? And I just think if we try to help each other, you know, put the reality that we're all very adaptable and even though we might be grumpy as we go through it, um, the best thing is that we can adapt and we can grow and develop. So as you talk to the leaders, the, those leaders have to buy into the change first. Uh, how do you help those people buy into that change and then be that positive influence on, on others? Most of the, It's a good question, Jim. Most of the time that we're working with, with supervisors, we're trying to help them understand that if you mine your own experiences, that is you, you think back to the things uh, in your own life that you've done, you would probably be, uh, you'd probably be surprised sometimes when you look back at how adaptable you have been, right? How you have prevailed. And I think we don't often stop long enough to process, um, process our experiences in a way that is constructive and helpful. So we would want a leader to uh, recognize that if they're all freaked out about the change and, and having trouble coping with it, it's going to be tough to get their teams to uh, embrace it and move forward. And how inside of an organization can the idea of change be a positive motivator? Sometimes it's hard to see that change is positive. Right. Well, there's, you know, time and again, and even, uh, you know, just in the last week, I've had conversations with people about some of the difficult things that they've encountered and gone through. And, you know, I know it can sound probably uh, uh, simplistic to say that there's always a positive, or there's always a silver lining. But I'd say that, you know, maybe more realistically, there's 85% chance of a silver lining in, in, uh, in almost anything you go through. So even the most difficult change that you've gone through often something positive has come from it, maybe not in every circumstance, but frequently. And if you would realize that, that your team today could be really struggling with change, but really there's something that's going to come out of that, that they can't even envision. So you as the leader have to recognize based on your past experience, that there's some positive things that are going to come out of this that you can't even see right now, um, that are probably going to help your business be more successful in the future and even help your team members become uh, more resilient in the future as well. It sounds like there's a certain amount of logic involved, but uh, we have we have emotional reactions to change uh, and, and resistance before we can take action. Uh, are there kind of rules of thumb to apply as, as we're encountering that change uh, and on those levels? Well, first of all, it's helpful, I think, for people to understand what, what, where their resistance comes from, right? And, and I know this is going to be fairly simplistic, but the idea that, you know, why, why is it that change tends to freak us out in a negative way so much? And, and the first thing to realize is that 
change makes you break out of your routines. You might say, well, that's good. That's exciting. It's different. And um, to your point, it, it makes it, it makes it more interesting. It sparks your curiosity, but because your routines are being changed, what you normally do on autopilot, the things that you do from your commute to work to, you know, how you go about your day, most of that is routine. And then when that gets disrupted, it becomes very uh, fatiguing for people. It's, it's tiring because you have to now think about things that you normally would just do automatically. And that process, you know, as your brain kind of remembers, um, as your brain gets used to the new way of doing things, that becomes itself automatic. So today's change becomes tomorrow's normal, but you have to recognize that there's going to be 30 days or 60 days if you change jobs, for example, or you start working from home, or you start teaching your children at home, there's going to be you know, 30 to 60 days of grumpiness and fatigue because your brain is having to do things that it used to take for granted. And then the second uh, piece of resistance is that the human mind doesn't do well with uncertainty. And because when you have unknowns, uh, you tend to develop these very, uh, I would say the two things, probability and severity gets distorted in most people. It's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? How likely is it to happen? And what we do is we exaggerate the negatives and we think that they're going to be more uh, more likely and more severe than they end up being. And, and unfortunately, and I'm not going to knock the media too much, but realize that that's the story that sells to human beings is this idea of freaking you out about something that ends up probably not being quite as bad. I mean, every once in a while, it'll be as bad or worse than you thought, but usually it doesn't turn out that way. And a lot of it is just feeding on our need to envision these horrific circumstances that may not happen. Greg Schenkel is the president of Unique Training and Development and is our guest this morning on Ask BBB. Unique Training and Development provides programs for frontline leaders across North America. And we'll return with more in just a moment. Welcome back to Ask BBB with Jennifer Matthews, CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. I'm Jim Swan. Our guest this morning is Greg Schenkel, president of Unique Training and Development. As we begin this new year, 2022, the topic is leadership and change. So when we think about change, we often automatically go to the negative feeling about change, how it can cause pain. But how do we reframe that and go um, to promote us within and within our team that positive aspect of change? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I, I am not a biologist. Uh, I would say that our, we're naturally wired to look for danger and avoid danger. And so that's why we're so drawn to negatives. Even if someone says, I have some good news and some bad news. You know, we should be looking more forward to the good news. But for some reason, we're really interested in the bad news. I would say that as the leader, knowing that there is that tendency, not only for your team, but for yourself, you have to actually stake it out. And that's why some people will embrace things like journaling and reflecting, but even asking your team to reflect. Uh, even after something has been particularly difficult, what did we gain from going through that negative experience? Where where have we been stronger? And I think if, as the leader, you can ask yourself and then ask your people, where what what kind of growth have we seen? Because inevitably, over after even difficult situations, there's been a lot of growth. But if nobody asks, nobody reflects, everyone just assumes, well, I'm glad that's over. Hey, we gained something from that. We learned something from that. And how do we uh, use that to as fuel for the future? I was going to say, so can you, in that reflection where you find the good points of change, does that help facilitate 
the introduction of something that needs to change in the future and to onboard people that way? Yeah. So, so one of the things when, when we look at leaders and how they convince their teams to move through the next change, um, we talk about there needs to be logic, which is the explanation for the change and why it's important. There needs to be an emotional buy-in. And that's where I always use the illustration that whenever there's a fundraising campaign, you never see that fundraising thermometer until it's at least halfway. And the reason for that is if you tell people there's this giant gap between where we are and where we need to be, they're like, well, that's impossible. But if you say, hey, good news, we're halfway there, you can help us get over the top. So there's this psychology. And so as a leader, what you do is you you remind your team as you're introducing the next change that, hey, remember when we didn't think we'd survive this or we didn't have this or this happened and we prevailed and you know, when now we can't think of doing it any other way than the new way. And if you remind your team of that, then you can say, and the next change we need to make is just this piece. And I'm confident based on our past track record, we're going to be able to do that. And so it's about this encouragement piece because people have this natural tendency to go on the negative side. So the leader's job is to stake out the positive learning. So Greg, what does good leadership look like in this 21st century, as opposed to things we might've expected in the 20th century? That's a good question, Jennifer. Uh, on one hand, you could argue that the fundamentals of leadership are fairly stable and constant, but because there's been what at least uh, certainly appears to be more disruption is that this idea of being more flexible. So it's been a trend that's been going on for a while that you can't really do good three, five, 10 year plans anymore because so much evolves so quickly. So I think leaders' ability to stay genuine and even in an uncertainty, not oversell what, in other words, not oversell people that they're certain about what's going to happen, but embracing the uncertainty of it and helping other people become uh, better at innovating and changing and, and being okay with the fact that things may never really be stable for a long period of time. And so I think leaders are now called for how do you lead people in a way that's agile and flexible and recognize that that may be the operating method that you're going to use for quite some time. And are these good leaders born or can anyone become a good leader? Hey, that's a great debate that we have in our frontline leadership workshops. We ask that, that very question. And I think when people think of leaders being born leaders, they really think of charisma, uh, the leader's ability to be persuasive. And, you know, probably growing up, you knew kids in the schoolyard who would be great at convincing you of doing things. Some of those things might not have been great, but, you know, they were very persuasive. And so we think of that as being a born leader. But really, when you look at the history of leadership, um, you see that most leaders are actually uh, made over time from their circumstances, from their mentors, from the training that they've received, and mostly from their experiences and their ability to process those experiences in a way that's constructive and helpful. We've got a lot of notes here uh, over the past uh, few moments, Greg. You've actually written books about some of these things, uh, Awakening the Workplace, What Great Supervisors Know, uh, Fusion or Fizzle. Uh, are these available outside the training programs so that we might be able to uh, delve into them a, a little more? 
Yeah, if, if people, um, especially two books are the most popular. One is called What Great Supervisors Know, which is just a little pocket guide. And the other most popular one is called Employees Not Doing What You Expect, which is all about uh, troubleshooting employee performance issues and preventing them in the first place. And those are both available on our website at uniquedevelopment.com. We have generated uh, about 250 different videos and pieces of content that uh, people can access for their own personal development, but also uh, as, as supervisors and leaders. If people go to uniquedevelopment.com, we also have the Leader Feeder podcast and video series, which comes out every week. And people can uh, certainly find that on their favorite podcasting app by looking for Frontline Leadership uh, or Leader Feeder by Frontline Leadership. And on YouTube, you can search Frontline Leadership in YouTube and you'll see our hundreds of videos that can be quite helpful in people's leadership development and just in their personal growth. Well, we want to thank you for taking time to help us start this uh, new year, 2022. Thank you. Jim, we pre I appreciate being part of it. I really want to encourage people to make a positive influence on others. Greg Schenkel is the president of Unique Training and Development. Unique Training and Development is a BBB accredited business with an A plus rating. We'll return in a moment with details on a scam that used PayPal to fool its victims. And now back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with the host of Ask BBB, Jennifer Matthews, CEO of BBB, serving Western Ontario. The BBB Scam Tracker helps keep people informed about scams happening across North America and right in your neighborhood. We encourage everyone to check it regularly. The scam that popped up over the holidays used shipping tricks to steal from shoppers. Yes, and these con artists exploited PayPal's policies by delivering incorrect items and using stolen tracking numbers. How, how did it work? As people are shopping online, they find an amazing deal, and that's most often on large items like furniture or vacuum cleaners. The website and the products look legitimate, and the site directs them to use PayPal, and that gives an impression that it is safe to go through with the purchase. Well, we already know that this isn't going to end well, but uh, so far, so good. Yes, and it all looks good after the transaction goes through. You receive an email confirmation and a tracking number from UPS, FedEx, or another shipping service. So you feel pretty good about your purchase and the astounding price. But then... But then, the package arrives and surprise, it is not what you expected. Okay, well, what sort of surprises did people get, Jennifer? Well, one shopper ordered a six-foot Christmas tree and received a bottle brush Christmas tree no bigger than her hand. And another ordered a pressure machine washer and got a $2 t-shirt. Wow. So, of course, they're going to try to correct this mistake. And they find that the site where they made the purchase doesn't respond, or if they do, they're not helpful. But they used PayPal. So won't PayPal uh, protections policy help them out? Well, the scammers were scamming PayPal as well, using part of their policy that says customers can open a dispute if the package never arrives. And of course, the package did arrive. Well, then what about the other part of the policy? If the item received is counterfeit or differs significantly from what was ordered? PayPal had closed some of the cases in favor of the seller, but they looked into the stolen tracking code issue and made changes in their algorithms to identify and disable fraudulent bad actors. 
PayPal further stated that we are stopping a significant majority of these fraudulent sellers at first transaction through our detection program and have refunded customers impacted by this fraud scheme, even if they did not appeal our decision. So as we go into the new year, how can we, we resolve to protect against scams like this one? So start by asking yourself if this deal is too good to be true, and maybe you want to look at it a little more closely. And don't make a purchase assuming you are protected. Check out your rights and responsibilities. And before you purchase online, make sure the site has real contact information. If there is an address given, take the time to search it on a Google map or other mapping service. If there's a phone number, call the number to make sure there are people there who can talk to you about the product or service. And if something does go wrong, don't wait to file a dispute. The scammers know that PayPal and credit card companies have time limits on disputes, so they often try to drag out the process so you miss that window. And as always, Jennifer, check to see if that company is listed in the BBB directory. And review BBB online shopping tips. Well, that's our time for Ask BBB this time around. We'd like to hear from you. So contact us at hashtag AskBBB and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Pass along your comments and send us your guest suggestions. And once more, thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Jennifer Matthews. Remember to ask BBB. And start with trust. Trust.